On today's episode of The Corner Booth, Mulraney and I chat with Sienna Men's basketball standout Elijah Burns. We also discuss the rapidly approaching March Madness, and we recap the heavyweight championship of the world between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. But first, a word from our sponsor, Novice Clothing. Spring can't come soon enough, and honestly, it'll be here before we know it. That's why I need to tell you about my guys at Novice Clothing Company. What started as a hobby is now a homegrown business ready to customize your orders. From hoodies to hats to t-shirts and jerseys, whether you're outfitting an entire team or a cheering section, the Bernardo Brothers at Novice Clothing Company will handle it. Nick and Garrett both graduated from LaSalle Institute in Troy, New York, before going on to play college baseball, and they're reinvesting back into their community with this local business. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs, you need team apparel. Well, let's support a growing local business. Check them out at noviceclothingcompany.com and on Instagram at noviceclothingcompany and get ready to claim your crown. All right, let's roll. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode six of The Corner Booth. As always, I'm joined by the one and only Mulraney, and we are going to jump right into it with some college hoops talk. Getting close to the end of February. Crazy, Mike. It's flying by here. Oh, yeah. Probably only four or five games left in each team's non-conference championship tournament schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finishing up conference play here probably within the next week, and then we get going March 20th starts the tournament. Yeah. So, um, recent news in college basketball, two games ago, Duke got beat by North Carolina State on the road at NC State, and Coach K went full Coach K and bypassed the handshake line and ran over to one of the players and said, you didn't, and obviously there was a camera close by or Coach K wouldn't have done it. He went over and said, you didn't play a good game, you played a great game. Not a good game, a great game. So typical Coach K doing Coach K things. What are your thoughts on Coach K when Duke is losing and the way he handles himself? Because it's fascinating. Well, it's it's always interesting where in a big Coach K route, you always get like the bear hug and the conversation. And then when he loses, it's kind of the quick dap up, one tap and doesn't break stride. So that seems to always have been his M.O., I don't know if it's a Bobby Knight thing who he I don't I don't know if he played for Bobby Knight at Army or coached with him at Army. I think both, but I'm not positive. I know for a fact he played for him, but I don't know if So I don't know him. if that's an old Bobby Knight thing, but still twenty five years in this Duke experience, it's been the same thing every loss, even though they're few and far between. Yeah, I wrote a blog about this right before the UNC game of just why I hate, why I love to hate Coach K, I guess. And it's like earlier in the year when they lost to Stephen F. Austin and he called the press conference later that week and was just saying, hey, I wanted to let everybody know that I was sick during that game. So instead of giving Stephen F. Austin credit for coming into Cameron Indoor and beating you, Coach K backed up the excuse wagon and said he was sick. What's that I doing l- his team hitting free throws? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also... Love the story. I don't know who it was, but when Duke lost the game to in a game they were clearly favored, Coach K went into the opposing locker room and gave the speech to the team that beat him, just letting them know how great of a game they played. So a full-on cuck of the opposing coach and leaving your team in the locker room to figure it out themselves is Pete Coach K. With saying all that, 
they responded and gave uh, Virginia Tech an ass whooping. And I think Duke is pretty good this year. And I think, unfortunately, we could be heading into one of these years where college basketball is crazy. There's teams at the top that we don't normally see at the top. Right now, the top four is Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Dayton. And we could be heading. is five. Yeah. That's wild, too. Yeah. And we could be heading into a tournament where Duke might be a lot of people's favorite. And there wouldn't be nothing that would be a worse end to March Madness than watching Coach K win another one. He also had that weird instance this year where he screamed at the at the Cameron Crazies. He had a, he's had a really weird year this year. And I don't know if he gets the feeling that the end's kind of near or if he feels this team is a championship caliber team and they're not hitting that high gear he needs in the hit or what. But it's been a weird year in terms of his on-court actions. <laughs> yeah, the yelling at the Cameron Crazies was wild, especially because the chant, which I guess they say, like, you can sit with us or something like that to opposing head coaches is, like, what they do all the time. They were doing it to Jeff Capel, who was Coach K's former bag man, and uh, Coach K didn't like it and went over and yeah. let the student section know about it. But I, I think I did also write in the blog that you don't want the guy that illegally paid players for generations to get upset. So Coach K had to go defend Capel. So that makes sense. The Capel thing was weird. A lot of this K stuff's weird. But do you trust teams like Dayton, San Diego State, Florida State? Look at Cal against, hanging around at eight. Not against, not against Duke and not against yeah. that, point, that point guard that they have. Like, Admittedly, this is the thing that I hate about like podcasts and – sports shows when they get guys on there and they try to pretend like they watch every college basketball game i will be the first to put my hand up and say i've watched a handful of college basketball games like during the nfl i'm not watching college basketball if it's an nba or a college game i'm watching the nba but i've watched enough of duke that they have that point guard i could ask my wife laura what's the point guard's name she can't hear me. Never mind. But they have a good point guard who is one of those players that you'll see carry a team throughout the tournament. Yeah. And like you said, I don't trust a team. Like, just this is just like a gambler's mind thinking. Like, I am not going to be able to trust like Dayton and San Diego State in meaningful games in March if they're going up against Duke. I just, I just won't be able to do yeah. it. Creighton at ten, Seton Hall at thirteen. Right, all that stuff is so weird and foreign to us that yeah. our that our stupid brains, like when we're gambling, will just pick the teams that we feel comfortable with. Yeah, teams that we know have won tournament games before. Correct. Even though they might stink this year. Right. And that is pretty much where Mike and I will probably lend a lot of our March Madness coverage will be to the gambling side of things because I personally think the stretch of March Madness might be the best time of year in sports just because you get Thursday. The, the, the first week of March Madness is, is amazing. You get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday packed with games and you're just gambling nonstop. They tip off from like 12.03 to like 10.45. Exactly. And, you just, and you're just taking days off from work or you're not paying attention at work and you're just getting ready to gamble on every single possible game that you can get your hands on. What are you, what's your what's your move going to be for March Madness? Are you going to venture over to the casino maybe and check that out a little bit? Mike lives near a new casino that opened up not too long ago. I've heard good things about the sports book over in Schenectady. I'm not going to say their name because no free pub. Um, that a boy. 
until they start writing us checks for the podcast. But I've heard the sports book over there is good, although it's a little small. It might just have been small for football season, where I'm sure they were run over with people. So I am definitely going to keep an eye on what the situation is over there. Do you think it is the best time of year for gambling purposes, March Madness? Oh, yeah. It's, I don't even think it's close. I, it's so exciting because you don't know what's going to happen and you're sweating out every single game. Exactly. And you got multiple games going on at the same time, like all over. You're, you got overs here, you got unders there, you're trying to cover the spread there. You're it's squinting at the top of your screen because CBS always has <laughs> five or six scores at the top or they're rotating. And you're just like, dude, go back to the Creighton West Virginia State game. I need to see, I need to do the math one more time. See, we're lucky because, like, we've grown up where we've really become involved with sports and watching it that, like, we get every single game. Yeah. On the networks, there was a time when we were kids where it was just CBS and they would only show one game. Maybe it was CBS and TNT. Yeah, They would have two games on at a time and then they would switch in between. But now they show every game. And yeah. the year they did that like blew my mind and I was so happy. And you now are so used to it that you forget how much of an advantage that is as a sports fan or a gambler or yeah. a basketball player college guy in general to be able to watch every game during the tournament is awesome it's like red zone yeah it is it's like a better version of red zone because you get to watch the full games yeah i do have a sleeper pick i don't know if they're necessarily a sleeper pick but the team that i would look at the odds right now yeah this is it's not really home cooking but it is i guess for me i love michigan they were the number one team earlier in the year they got crushed with injuries. They lost a bunch of games. They dropped out of the top 25. They're on a streak now, and I think they're back up to number 19 in the polls. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're getting healthy. Jawan Howard has them playing like with this energy and a real players coach. I think that team could be real dangerous in the tournament. If they can get like a four seed, I think they could be very dangerous. For my sleeper, I like Arizona State. They haven't lost since January 29th. They have a win over number 14, Oregon. The rest of the year they have at UCLA, at USC, and then home against Washington and Washington State. They have to beat UCLA to probably get into the tournament. They were the last team left off the 25 AP ranking this week. They put up a lot of points, and when... A team like this that they barely lost to number 21 Colorado. They beat a ranked Oregon team. I think that they're better than people think. I would expect them to win a few games in the tournament. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I also like that they have Bobby Hurley who has had some tournament experience coaching underdogs. He brought Buffalo to the tournament. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I think he's only going to get better. And I believe that eventually Arizona State is going to take that jump to be a top program in the Pac-12 if he's able to stay there. Out of the top four teams right now, this might change by the time the tournament rolls around, but for argument's sake, we got Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Dayton. Who do you trust the most out of those four teams to make a deep run or go to the Final Four? Kansas. I think that's the easy pick, but I would have to agree. I was thinking about that. I didn't want to pick them, but you're 100% right. They. I did watch that Kansas-Baylor game the other day. Yeah. 
I do think Baylor is going to be tough in the tournament against teams that aren't top caliber because they don't allow teams to score. Even that game was a low-scoring game for three quarters of the game. And every time I've seen Baylor play this year, they just stunt teams' offense. Like, teams can't score on Baylor. They're long. They're able to play defense. You've got to shoot from outside in order to score. A lot of college teams struggle with that, even in today's day and age. I do like Baylor, but I think, gun to my head, I would pick Kansas – I've seen the Gonzaga flare out way too many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did go to the championship game against Carolina a couple of years ago, I believe it was. But we've seen them be a number one seed and lose in the second or third round so many yeah. times. Dayton, admittedly, I have not seen enough of Dayton to make a... I doubt that Dayton has had a National League televised game. <laughs> they might not have. That's a great point. I haven't seen them play every... Some diehard college basketball people that I talk to say Dayton's a good team. They might be one of those teams that we see in the conference tournament. Uh, whatever ter- I think they, what are they, the American Conference? Maybe I'm not even sure. So whatever ter- uh, conference they play in, watching them, that might be where a lot of America gets um, gets uh, subjected to what they've been trying to do. And this is another great thing about college basketball and March Madness is that. So many people claim to be experts. They have no idea. And it's better for us to just admit that, hey, we don't watch all these games. But like 90% of America and the majority of our audience that listens to this and guys like us, we get exposed to a lot of these teams during conference tournament week. And that's why conference tournament week is the perfect buildup into March Madness. So we're both on Kansas there. I, I do think we might see those change one more time. I don't know if those are going to be the, the four number ones when tournament time rolls around. I guess we'll have to see. So a good lead-in from the College Hoop stuff, we interviewed Elijah Burns, who is the Sienna men's basketball standout, we could call him. He's having a great year there. They are getting ready to enter the MAC tournament. Mike and I sat down with him last week and interviewed him, so... Here you go. This is Mike and I talking to Elijah Burns. Really cool interview. He was our first ever guest on the Corner Booth. So that's a big distinction for him. So we appreciate him coming on. But here's our interview with Elijah Burns, Sienna Men's Basketball. All right. Mulraney and I would like to welcome on the first ever guest to the Corner Booth, Sienna Basketball standout number one, Elijah Burns. Elijah, thanks for coming on with us, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. So, um... The one thing you and I have in common is we're both from Troy. So I guess the first question being, uh, how does it feel to you know be back in the area playing in front of the hometown crowd with Sienna? Yeah, it means the world to me. Be able to be back home and play in front of my friends and family every night. Uh, when we get to play in time to center, it's been an amazing experience. You know, for me and I, it's coming to the end. We have one last home game. I'm super excited to be able to get on the floor in front of my family for the last time. Yeah, that's great. I, I you know, it's it's pretty impressive your guys record at home this year what are you guys like 13 and 0 now at home i mean that's yeah, 13 no we got like i said we got the one left uh two wins this uh, we got we got niagara hopefully we can get the season sweep go 14 and 0 at home yeah what do you th- what do you attribute to just the success at home i mean there's been good sienna teams in the past there's great college basketball teams all over the country but not many teams go undefeated at home so what does that mean for you guys to have that opportunity to go undefeated at home you know, I think we just have the advantage. We have a great crowd every time we play at home. I think we had we had a sellout two games ago in the last game, uh, near sellout. So we just had great fan support. Uh, it's been a great energy every time we step on that floor. We've been locked in and we're ready to go every time we get to play in front of our home fans. Yeah, that 
what's um, are you are, are you guys concerned at all about not being able to play the MAC championship at the Times Union Center? You got to go to Jersey and play it. I, I know the struggles on the road a little bit this year. Can you kind of put that in perspective? It's definitely, been a, definitely been a true advantage that you know having the MAC tournament been at the Times Union Center. So if it was there this year, everybody would probably be the favorite. But you know, going on the road, I think our team is clicking right now. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what we do. We have four of our last five games on the road, so it would be great for us to get, get some games under our belt on the road and you know, see what we do. I'm super excited for our team going into the tournament. Yeah, definitely. I, I was wondering, now that you're back home, um, is there, obviously being with your family and all is great, but it's got to feel good just to be back in an area you know. What's your go-to like uh, spot in, in, a, in a Troy? Where's your favorite place to go <sighs> eat? It depends on if I'm eating healthy or not. Because I'll eat healthy enough. If I'm running healthy, I'm going to go to Olive Troy Pizza. Give me a slice of pepperoni pizza from down there. Uh, if I'm eating healthy, I'm going to go to a Juice Factory and get an acai bowl, which I just actually just got a couple minutes ago. So, kind of mix it up a little bit. When you're not eating healthy, I think you got to give Famous Lunch a go. That's a, that's a good spot down that way. I do like Famous. I do like Famous. Not in season, though. Yeah. No, definitely not. You don't need those onions going with you throughout the, throughout the season, for sure. Um, <laughs> So last night you guys get a win against Iona, right? Yeah, and I know Mike wanted to touch on that a little bit about you know last night's game, so I'll let him ask you a couple questions here. What was it like to hit the game-winning free throw there in front of your home fans? It was great. You know, we had the opportunity to steal the game right now on our first season swing of the year. Uh, to be able to finish that game at home was awesome. Uh, it's my second, technically my second game winner of the year. Uh, I had a game winner to start off back play versus, versus Canisius hit a three-point jump shot to win a game. So I wasn't really nervous at all. I was just excited to get the opportunity to finish the game in front of, in front of my friends and my family. Which one of those shots is tougher for you, the three kind of in motion for the winner standing at the free throw line? throughout the area is it is it tough to be able to decompress and re- and uh relax kind of having having you be a known figure and you know with all the all the things that go with it is it tough to just stay calm and collected throughout the season being at home actually it's not it hasn't been that hard uh, i've been a lot of time my family uh, and a lot, a lot of my teammates and stuff trying to stay um kind of off the grid, just kind of hang out with them and stay, and stay composed. Um, and even when I do go out, to be honest with you, I feel like people don't really notice me that much because no one really comes up to me, so I'm able to hide and play inside. I call and go and hang out and actually get to enjoy time with my friends and my family when I am out in public. So it's been great. Um, no one really disturbs me while I'm out. So I really haven't had a hard time um, you know, being a public figure back home. That's good, man. Uh, you, you know, you are averaging like 15 a game and nearly seven boards. Those are, you know, those are real deal numbers at the college game. What do you attribute the success to? I know you're very driven and you work hard, but is there something that, you know, you would you would preach to young kids coming up trying to make it? I would say just to stay believing in yourself and confidence. You know, when you get the opportunity, 
you have to be ready. So you always have to be working and ready for your opportunity when it presents itself um, so that you don't miss it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids, when they're not playing, they're always worried about you know, minutes or not getting enough shots. And then when the opportunity comes, they haven't worked hard enough to be ready for it. So just stay ready for the opportunity. And then when it presents itself, like, knock it out the park. And that's, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, this year was a big opportunity for me to show people what I could do and kind of prove to myself the ability uh, that I have to play the game of basketball. And that's what I've been focused on all year. You know, some people might know that uh, your college career began at at uh, Notre Dame, and you were injury prone there. You weren't injury prone, but you were recovering from an injury early on in your career there. Um, did that fuel your fire, being able to just, you know, now get some significant minutes, you know, be kind of the focal point of, of the team? And has that been, has your experience at Notre Dame helped you get to where you are right now? It's helped me a ton. I've learned a ton from a lot of great players that I was alongside when I was there, uh, playing against a few All-Americans and, and guys that played professionally overseas and, and as well in the United States. So learning a little bit of time from them, but also now, like you said, getting my opportunity to showcase what I can do at Siena. I've, I've just taken what I've learned there and, and brought it here and just trying to expand on my game and, and show the world what I can do. Definitely. I mean, for guys that followed local basketball when you were playing high school, I mean, you were a force at LaSalle before you went, to, then you went to prep school, right? In, I did. Yeah. So, I mean, you were a force in, in, uh, in a local high school basketball. So I don't think it surprises anybody that followed you then what you're able to accomplish at Siena. I mean, it's great to see. But um, with all those experiences at Notre Dame playing on the road, um, what was the craziest environment you've seen so far? Maybe your favorite environment to play on the road? A lot of people were trying to convince me to say that Duke was the craziest place that I've been and played at. But honestly, I would say Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State was the loudest gym that I've been in. Uh, we played them on a, on a big Monday after we won the Valley Invitational. They were ranked third in the country. We were ranked fifth. And we played uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Might have been a Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. We played them at Michigan State. It was the loudest gym that I've ever been in. And Miles Bridges was still there. And uh, Janet Jackson Jr. That's what Memphis and Nick Ward, like, they had a great team. A, great, a tremendous atmosphere. Is it... I mean, obviously, you've seen a bunch of different players, great players, great coaches, but that first time you saw, you know, Coach K or Tom Izzo or somebody coaching, I mean, you even played for Mike Bray, so I guess that's part of it, too. But was it a little bit of like a starstruck type of experience when you saw those guys? To be honest with you, it, it really wasn't. Um, it was just growing up for me. I get to get into that state and opportunity. It was something that I always tell myself that I wanted to accomplish and, and being able to accomplish it. And be there, it's kind of like, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. Um, and that's kind of just how I felt about it and how I feel. I go about my days, you know, things that I accomplish, I put in the work for it, and that's how it's supposed to go. What do you miss the most about South Bend? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I'm positive I do miss the football game, the tailgating part of the football game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, being out there with my friends, enjoying the fans and the people. I love, I love that, and just being out supporting my friends that are on a football team in front of you know, all, those, all those fans. I do miss that a ton. I miss going to the grotto um, yeah. and, and make my prayers. You know, being on campus is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. And just, you know, my friends and those experiences I had there as well. So I miss, I miss Notre Dame a ton, and it's something I'll always be a part of. Yeah, man, it's crazy you mention that because, like, I went to a game out there once, and the tailgate atmosphere, like, it was surreal, but it was also crazy because everybody was so friendly. Like, I walked yes. through, me and my friend, like, we didn't know anybody. People were inviting us over, giving us food, giving us drinks. It was it was, it was, was pretty crazy to be in that environment. It's a great place to watch a game. It 
big family. That's how we all look at it. We're out there, everybody. If you're on campus, you got something with Notre Dame running, like it's one big family. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, even just the atmosphere in town, I mean, we ate at a couple places. I remember this one place, Fiddler's Hearth, and it was just like a cool spot. And yeah, that whole environment's crazy. I mean, I think it's a great experience. You got to you got to be there for the time, and and you and you graduated from Notre Dame, which is an unbelievable accomplishment in itself. So congrats on that, obviously. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you just about. Um, what, what has Sienna, going from Notre Dame to Sienna, kind of the culture that Sienna has, and uh, what Coach uh, Massarello has been able to do for you? Can you speak on that a little bit and just what that culture has meant to you? Yeah, I mean, Carl's Car- been a, a great deal of my career. I've known Carl since I was in high school. I met, I met Carl when I was 14 years old, so we've known each other for a while. And now being out of play for him has been great so far. We've been uh, doing really well as a team, and I've been doing well individually. Obviously, it's, it's different from being at Notre Dame. Coach Bray has been coaching college basketball for about 20, 21 years. I mean, probably he's been a head coach for about 21 years. And he's been in the game for a while, so now to be with a, a first-year head coach is a little bit different. But I've enjoyed the process, and we're all learning. We're all learning from each other and uh, getting better as we go. And it's just been an amazing experience to be a part of. You mentioned when you were younger growing up and playing, you know, you probably know a lot of these local kids, but you have another local guy on your team right now, Jordan King, freshman who's gotten a lot of minutes. Um, what do you think about his game and the way he's progressing? I think he's very skilled. I think, you know, he's got he's a freshman, like, like you said, he's got a long way to go, a lot to learn. Um, just continue to, to work alongside Jalen and watch how he goes throughout his days and goes throughout practice and just trying to continue to work on his skill set. I think he's got a bright future, just got to keep going in the direction. Um, it's, uh, it's another thing, too. Like, I think it's um, just, just to have you as that type of local influence for him probably means a lot. But the way you talk and you, you kind of carry yourself, I personally see you as potentially maybe – I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe getting into the coaching game at some point. Is that something that you're interested in down the road? Yes, that's, that's exactly what I want to do once I'm done playing. That's, that's my dream. Uh, so after this season, I mean, I think there's a chance for you to go and continue your career. Is that the yes. is, is that yes. the is, is that the plan at the end of the year? Yes, I want, I want to play as long as I can, as long as my body allows me to play against basketball. I want to try to play. That's great, man. Another cool story, I I, kind of did a little research, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I just did this earlier today, but I got my start in uh, college coaching as a team manager at Albany for baseball, and then I got hired to be an assistant. But is your team manager one of your classmates at LaSalle? Is that how that worked out? Yeah, Danny actually is a a manager, senior manager this year. I think he was two years behind me when I was at LaSalle. So I've known Danny for a long time. Um, he used to watch me play with Sal. He was on the, the freshman team my last year there, so we we know each other for a good while. Did uh, I back in your high school days? What was what were those experiences like? Because outside of high school, I know you went and competed overseas with uh, Team USA, and I know your City Rocks teams were pretty dominant. What was uh, what was that experience like for you as a young kid? It was amazing. You know, being able to travel was something that I take away the most from it. Just being able to travel to Germany, my parents like helped me get there, and that experience kind of changed my life and kind of pushed me to be able to want to travel more. I ended up going to Africa in college, and now it's kind of one of the reasons I want to play overseas because I want to see more, see more of the world. But the experience in high school, outside of the regular high school basketball, I got to see a lot of the United States. We did California, Texas, Florida, which 
and connecting. Uh, I think that was something that was very valuable for me. Definitely. I, I got to give you props, too. People might not know this, but you, were, you weren't you were always just a good basketball player. You were, you were a pretty good baseball player growing up as a kid, too. I remember I that. that. Yeah. Yes. I was something that a lot of people know. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, you know, I think if you focused on that, you might have been able to have a college career doing that, too. But uh, is basketball, basketball was always the first love. So uh, is, is, are you happy that you chose that path, obviously, and focused and had a great career doing that? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I would have loved playing baseball as well. Um, I loved baseball so much. And I just got to a point where was, I wanted to choose which one I wanted to do. I just happened to choose basketball at that time and, and just ran with it. Uh, gave it my all because I didn't want to split the I didn't want to split the two. Right. I wanted to give something something all of my energy. And I, I just didn't choose the basketball, but I think I'm like you said, I would have had a good career playing baseball as well. So it's something I look back on. My, my dad and I actually talk about a lot. <laughs> I just wonder if I would have played baseball and see what would have happened. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually thinking about that today. I was like, I remember you when you were like I don't know 13, 14, watching you play baseball. I was like, I think you could be a pretty good baseball player. So that's funny that it's that uh, you know not a lot of people might know that. So we'll. Make sure that everybody knows you were a, a dual sport athlete at one point. Appreciate that. Yeah, no um, what is so now we're heading into the tournament here shortly. You guys, I mean, I, I know you touched on it briefly earlier, but you guys are feeling good as a team right now. Everything's clicking at the right time, you think, for you guys? I think so. I think we're in a great spot. We still have a lot more work to do. We had like these last five games the regular season, but I think we're in a good spot mentally to, to compete and uh, be in a good position for the tournament. I'm super excited about where we're at right now. Who's going to be your toughest matchup in the tournament, you think, if you had to pick a team? I'm going to say game one. Yeah. Game one is going to be tough. You know, we got to get that one first, and we can kind of go from there. But that first game is always going to be a little bit difficult because everybody's going to have a lot of energy. You know, with our league, if you win the league, you go to the state tournament. So anybody, is, anybody can win. So you got to focus on game one, game one first. Do you view yourself on this team, I mean, having the experience, seeing how it's done at, you know, one of the toughest conferences in the country, do you view yourself as, I, I know you're obviously focused on your playing, but do you kind of take it upon yourself to also be a bit of a mentor to these younger guys who haven't experienced this type of basketball coming up? I mean, of course, I'm the only one on our team that's been to the NCAA tournament, so right. haven't, haven't gotten there before. Uh, I just know, know what it takes to have a one league. Uh, we didn't win the league when I was in the ACC, but I, I made it to the tournament. So knowing how to, what it takes to get there and, and actually win games. You know, my freshman year, my team ran to the Elite Eight. And my sophomore year, we ran to the Sweet 16. So knowing how hard we have to play and how connected we have to be uh, to be able to make it to where we want to is, is something that's very important to me and you know, to share with my teammates. Well, man, let me tell you, you know, Mike and I obviously are rooting for you. This blog, this podcast is always, uh, is always rooting for you. You're a great kid. You're a phenomenal player, and uh, I wish you nothing but success. And uh, we hope to see you in the tournament, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again soon and uh, talk some more basketball and see what's next for you. But we appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, I truly appreciate you having me. That interview was presented by Novice Clothing Company. Thanks again to Elijah for coming on. We're all about supporting local businesses on this show and especially on this podcast. And I'm blown away by Novice Clothing Company and the original authentic work being done for athletes of all ages and teams of all sizes. I first met Nick and Garrett back in the day when we were both playing summer baseball for the South Troy Dodgers. Garrett and Nick graduated from LaSalle Institute in Troy and each played college baseball. Uh, They started Novice Clothing Company as a hobby but are now outfitting many of the youth teams in the capital region of upstate New York. Based in Albany, New York, the Bernardo brothers have lived through playing in uncomfortable athletic gear. Too big, too small, too thick, and in upstate New York, not thick enough. 
Novice Clothing Company doesn't outsource for its apparel. They produce it themselves, ensuring the best apparel possible while cutting out the middleman and saving you money. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs do what we do here at Procrastination Sports and on the corner booth and support the Bernardo Brothers and other local businesses. Get started at NoviceClothingCompany.com and on Instagram at NoviceClothingCompany and get ready to claim your crown. So our first interview in the books, Mike, that was good. Yep. The big sports news, we're kind of entering that period before March Madness where there's not a lot to go off of. We've used the Astros as talking points lately, but we did get a great sporting event last weekend, the heavyweight championship of the world between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I ordered the fight from home. My wife and I and one of my good friends who flew down for the weekend, we ordered the fight. The first question I have for you, I'm a huge boxing guy. I love boxing. So the question for you that I have is, did you feel like there was A, more hype around this fight, and B, is there a chance that boxing is back? There was a lot of of hype about this fight, and I was glad to see it because I love boxing, and boxing has been waiting for a big draw like this for a long time. And I know that the McGregor-Mayweather fight had a big draw, but that made me concerned for the future of boxing because it was almost a sideshow attraction. Tyson Fury is a very sound technical boxer. Deontay Wilder has the kind of punching power you want to see in a heavyweight matchup. It was a great fight, and I was glad to see that boxing might be on its way back. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I think you made some phenomenal points there. And for me... I can't get into the UFC. I've tried because, like you said, I love boxing, too. I grew up watching it with my grandfather, so there's this connection that I have to it. He let me stay up for the Lewis-Tyson fight, and ever since then, I love boxing. UFC doesn't do it for me. I ordered the Cowboy-McGregor fight, and I thought that was a waste of my money. The thing I liked a lot about this fight was they made it affordable. Uh, with my cable provider, it only cost me $69. I haven't paid $69 for a fight ever. It's always been 100 or over. So that was awesome to see that. That helped, and I think that brought probably a lot more viewers than, than they normally would have. Like you said with Mayweather-McGregor, that was like a gimmick. I didn't enjoy it as much. I didn't think the fight was that great. There's something different about heavyweight boxing. Yes, you will find some great middleweights and welterweights and lightweights, But there's something different about heavyweight title boxing that just feels different. I felt like this fight had a huge buildup. The atmosphere inside the arena felt great. Um, And another thing, if you're going to have a championship fight, just have it in Vegas. Las Vegas, Nevada screams old school heavyweight championship boxing. I loved that. The thing that I thought helped this fight and made it feel like a big fight again, and I do think this is going to help get boxing back on the map for people that don't love it like we do, was the fact that Fox Sports and ESPN put their differences aside and just said, let's cross-promote this fight, let's cover it together. The ability to do that makes it go to the biggest two audiences in sports, Fox Sports and ESPN, obviously. The two biggest sports networks in the world, you're able to get these fighters on there to do interviews, you get to promote it during commercials, you, they, they streamed it on ESPN+, Plus. they streamed it on the Fox Sports thing, and they also offered it on cable, which is huge. They have to do that. They cannot do this where you have to have ESPN Plus or Fox Sports Go to order the fight. You need to still have that boxing feeling where you can go and pay-per-view the fight because that's what it is. I know, for one, when Joshua 
fought Ruiz yep. the last time, number two. It was only on ESPN+. Plus. They did it in, in, in a different country. The fight was on at noon. I was like, this is a disaster. This is yep. not how you bring boxing back. I think they learned from that. They offered this on pay-per-view, put it on at prime time when boxing matches are supposed to go on. Yeah. The prelims were fine. They kept your attention enough to get you to the main event. And the main event, I thought, was a phenomenal fight. It felt like an old-school fight, and I loved it. The entrances were wild, to yeah. say the least. Fury came Fury. out on a throne, and Wilder came out dressed like some sort of demon. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. A robot demon? I don't know what he was. Some kind of transformer? Fury came out to who? Was it Patsy Cline or somebody like that? Some old school song? He was singing it. Guy's got a great voice, by the way. After the fight, he belted out American Pie. Very good voice. The entrances were crazy. So, as everybody knows who's listening to this, unless you live live under a rock, Fury knocked out. uh, Fury got the technical knockout in the seventh round, winning the fight, becoming the undisputed lineal heavyweight champ of the world. Big-time excuse by by uh, Wilder to say that the costume he wore out made his legs weak. He said it weighed 40 pounds. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that th- it might have played a factor, but when Fury ruptured his eardrum and he was profusely bleeding out of his ear and yeah. lost all sense of equilibrium, I think that might have played more of a role in the reason his legs gave out, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But when I saw him bleeding out of the ear, I thought they were going to stop the fight because I didn't think he could stand up. And like you said, Fury is a phenomenal technical boxer, and I underestimated him. I thought Wilder was going to go out and try to end this quickly because I felt he was a little embarrassed last time around. Fury proved that he's the better boxer. Wilder might be the better puncher and has more power, but Fury, toe-to-toe, standing in the ring, is a better boxer. Now, with saying that... I give Wilder a ton of credit because a lot of guys would have thrown the towel in or stopped that fight as soon as he was bleeding from the ear and couldn't stand up. No exaggeration. From round four to seven, he barely threw any punches, and he was just hanging on the rope getting walloped and was able to hang in there. Fury came in with the idea that he was going to knock out Wilder. He came in with a great quote that he was 273 pounds of British beef, and he was coming in there to (laughs) knock out Wilder which I really liked. Fury has a great story about dropping out of school to become heavyweight champion of the world, winning it, then having some mental health issues, gaining a ton of weight because he accomplished his life stream, and then he got back into shape. Now he's heavyweight champion of the world again. So I'm glad to see somebody with that kind of story arc and redemptive story. Uh, I think that's good for boxing. Yeah, he's, he's very likable. And just like you touched on the mental health stuff, I read an article, he was almost like 400 pounds or something at one point in the middle of this career lapse that he had. And to be able to come back from that is awesome. And I always tend to root for the American when I'm watching boxing, yeah. just as a patriot. But Fury is a really likable guy. And just the way he handled himself, the way Fury handled himself before the fight started, when he was like dancing around in the in the dressing room and just being loose, yeah. I thought that was like, wow, this guy's not serious. But the more that I watch this guy, it's like, that's who he is. He's got this loose personality. That's who he is. And when it's showtime, he shows up. Even in the last fight in Wilder Fury 1, when he got off the mat, when that fight was over, and he had no business getting up and he fought through it, 
this guy's a warrior, and I give him a lot of credit. Like you said, the story is awesome. So good for him. I mean, he's he's a good representation of what boxing can be, and I do think he might be the guy to help get this back on the map at a national level. So the good news is with these two, it was announced a couple days ago, in their contract, Wilder had the option to decline or accept another rematch, which would be the third installment of this trilogy, and he's accepting it. So they're going to fight this summer, so we'll get that soon. That'll be here before we know it. Like, what's it, six months probably, we'll get that fight. And I'm excited for that. I'm going to tune in again. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fourth because then they'd be 1-1-1 one, one, and one if Wilder wins the third. Right. Joshua has already said that he'll fight Fury. So there is a chance to finally unify all of the heavyweight championships too, which would be great for boxing because there's like seven heavyweight championships in the world. Right, and that's the other thing, and I'm, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. I think the WBC is the most widely recognizable one, the belt they have, the one that Fury was wearing, the one that you've seen in Rocky, and now they they have it as like the green one with Ali's picture on it, Tyson's picture on it. Yeah. Those, But like you said, there should really only be one heavyweight championship belt. The fact that there's so many different commissions and different belts yeah. dilutes a lot of things. People get confused. I get confused as somebody who even likes boxing. But if they're able to unite all the belt to one person, that's what we need. And then we're back on track with that. And I hope that happens, whether it be before that fight, which I don't really see that happening. I think it would have to be after Fury Wilder 3. But maybe they can squeeze one in. Um, But I would like to see Joshua fight whoever is the the title holder when when, when this is all said said and done. Yeah, if uh, if Joshua really wants to fight the winner of Wilder Fury three, then you have to figure maybe we get the unification fight around this time next year. Right, and that would be awesome if we could mix this in in between uh, football season and and March Madness because I do think that if they were able to prom- to promote a unification fight for all the belts between these three guys who have now become like notable notable people with Fury, Wilder, and Joshua, I think it'd be great for the sport and boxing would be back even further. So it was an entertaining fight and uh, if people didn't watch it and you've heard the buzz about it, definitely order Wilder Fury 3 because I don't think it'll disappoint either. No, two classics. Yeah, for sure. Two classic fights and that's what boxing needs. So, all right, everybody. That's all Mulraney and I have for you today. That was another edition of the Corner Booth. Be sure to check us out on our blog at ProcrastinationSports.com. You can get this podcast on Spotify or on the blog page itself. Uh, There will be the second podcast in the Procrastination Network podcast system coming out this week. We're going to release that Friday. It's kind of going to be like a pop culture lifestyle type morning show environment me and olivia will be doing that it's called coming in hot so check that out friday got anything else mike anything i missed no that's everything new podcast yeah new podcast keep going on the blog and keep on reading more stuff up there today get over there check it out share it spread the word we appreciate everybody who listens and uh, continues to read we're trying to put out new content and as we keep going with this, we'll have more opportunities to put out more unique content for your, uh, you know, you guys to enjoy. So we thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another edition of the Corner Booth. We'll catch everybody later. Thanks, everybody.